welcome to Odd Drummer Gaming, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. This is the 60-something episode of this podcast. 65th, according to my records. I plan on talking about the play that I saw called She Kills Monsters. Um, I'm not really sure why. Well, I'm going to talk about it because I enjoyed it. And I want to talk about it, but it's not like anyone can listen to this and be like, oh, I'll check it out because the it's it's done. It closed. It's it's not it's no longer playing. So you can't really use this episode as a resource in that regard. Lost the word, but. I'll talk about it at the end of the episode. We'll see how it goes. I've never talked about a play before, I don't think. But we'll see. I wanted to talk about podcasts that I have been enjoying lately. The first one is I'll talk about Sword and Scale. It's a very popular true crime podcast. And, you know, years ago when I used to peruse the Facebook groups whenever, or even online, Twitter, whatever, whenever anyone mentions Sword and Scale, there's always people that goes, oh, I stopped listening. I can't stand the host. You know, now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm going to try to be kind about it. You have good points. You have a good point. But at the same time, I I don't care. I just don't. Um, I think it comes down to preference. And I know, like, I know he, people always screenshot like, oh, he did this misogynist thing. He did this, da, 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 da. Again, like, that's terrible. And he's an asshole. He's a, he's not even that great of a host, I guess. But the podcast, I really enjoy, and that's that's the most important thing to me because I am a selfish male. And I mean, I've I've talked about this before, but it's just like it's the same reason why I would rather watch a good movie by a bad person director than a bad movie by a good person director. That's just my thing, and you know, I don't apologize for that. And I, I always think about Roman Polanski. I watched Chinatown, and I really liked it a lot. Watched Rosemary's Baby, and I loved it. And I believe he admitted to rape of a 13-year-old child. Um, that's terrible. But I, I am still a human selfish human who likes to consume art that I enjoy and you know I would rather watch Rosemary's Baby than probably any of Zack Snyder's movies and I don't mean to pick on Zack Snyder but I'm just saying like if we're going by that like I'm not going to like somebody's comedy because that comedian is a good nice person you know what I mean Maybe they donate a bunch of their proceeds to charity. I doubt it. But even if they did, I'm not going to automatically like, oh, I enjoyed his comedy because he's 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 very nice. That's just not how it works. I enjoy comedians who make me laugh. Regardless, I mean, it sucks if they're an asshole. It sucks if they've done not good things. But uh, I don't know what you want from me. I don't know. I don't know why I even need to rant about this. My point is, I I binged Sword and Scale like maybe 20, 30 episodes in a week or so. Every now and then, you know, the reason why I stop usually is because I'll listen to an episode that I find boring and none of the the story's not necessarily compelling even though every episode's done pretty much the same way and every episode's pretty much quality sometimes the stories are boring or the quote unquote characters in the story are boring and and if i'm listening to that podcast for an hour and a half and i'm bored then i need to take a break from it 
that usually happens, but in the past month or so, I I binged through a bunch of them. I started listening to Sword and Scale Nightmares, which I never really got an explanation as to what it was or why there's a spin-off, but it seems it's just an abridged version or not even a abridged version, but it's they they they're like 30-minute episodes. I don't know what's the difference. Maybe there's no 911 calls. Maybe there's no archival audio recording. I don't know. But I, I've been enjoying that one as well. And I'll say this. There's a reason why I'm able to binge 20, 30 episodes of Sword and Scale in a week, a month, whatever. And I haven't listened to my favorite murder in three, four years. Or I haven't been able to get through a single episode of last podcast on the la- on the left. You know what I mean? It just comes down to preference, I think. Regardless of how good or bad the hosts are, I think I'm just selfish and want to consume things that I find satisfying and entertaining and, and valuable to my life. It's not really valuable, but I find value in it. Um, I I went back and binged Ghost Town podcast, the older episodes. I've talked about that before as well. I love the older format. I loved it. It's my second favorite podcast after We'll See You in Hell. I I I, I just don't like the new format. I I it just it doesn't tickle my fancy. It's usually Rebecca reading Tom reading by herself, and Again, I'm happy that other people find it entertaining. I'm I'm happy that other people love that f- new format, but I I don't like it. I like the older format where they're being funny and they seem to enjoy they just seem to enjoy it better before when they were laughing and and riffing off each other and to they're very funny to me. And in the new episodes they they don't even attempt to be funny, which is a bummer to me because I love those early episodes. Um, you know, another pod that I've been binging, and it's actually the number one pod that I've been binging, is Taste Buds. You know, I tried to li- I tried to watch the first episode of Taste Buds because Joe DeRosa is a comedian who hosts We'll See You in Hell along with Pat Walsh, my favorite podcast. And so he has this other podcast, Taste Buds, with Sal Volcano, who I'm not familiar with. I tried watching the first one, and I was turned off. Now, new things are hard for me. New people are hard for me. One of my favorite quotes from King of Queens is Kim. Ke- oh gosh, Kevin James saying, I hate people I don't know. It's it's a funny quote, and it applies to me for the most part. So I don't know Sal Volcano, so I don't know. It's it's hard for me. When I see something new, especially podcasts, when I hear something new, I'm like, who are you and get the fuck away from me? That's usually my attitude. I, I don't like that I'm this way, but I am this way. So I watched it, and there are... They were both like loud and boisterous at each other, and I just didn't like it. I, I just didn't. And then, I don't know. I saw a clip on Instagram, so it's another one of those things, pros and cons to social media. But for me, taste buds and Sal Volcano owes Instagram some kudos because I watched a shortened clip on Instagram and I was like, that that was pretty funny. I'll go check out an episode. So I checked out um, the first episode I listened to, I think was Fig Newtons versus Fudge Stripes. And I thought it was very funny. I liked the episode and then I binged it from the beginning and I'm going to check my phone right now. I am now on episode 62 nachos versus sushi i skipped a handful of them when there was another person like um another host or someone filling in i just skipped those it just 
I don't know. It messes with the dynamic. So I'm on episode 62, but I haven't listened to 62 episodes. But I am enjoying it very much. I, I think it's funny. I, I think it is interesting that everyone has an opinion, no matter what. Or For the most part, there was one where they did like grapefruit versus pear or something. I, I am not knowledgeable on either fruit, so I couldn't weigh in. But for the most part, everyone has an opinion. And every time I listen to a new episode, I I text my wife and I text my brother. And I'm like, Rice Krispie Treat versus s'mores. Um, or, you know, different things like that. I told my We'll See You in Hell um, acquaintance. I asked him, do you listen to Taste Bud? He says, no. He's like, I don't, I don't really like that New York humor. I'm not sure what he meant by that. I think maybe I do know what he means by that. But he's like, if I want uh, food-based humor, I'll listen to Doughboys. And I've tried Doughboys. And again, I, I'll affirm my aforementioned aversion towards other people. But I tried Doughboys, and it didn't take. The episode that I liked was when they were talking about Super Mario Brothers for some reason. It was like a special episode. And they were they talked about um, The Force Awakens. And one of them was shitting on The Force Awakens. And I liked that. But that, wasn't, that was a special episode. That wasn't a food-based episode. Maybe I'll try Doughboys again. I, I don't know. But last time I... It's been a, a long time since I listened to Doughboys. But I know it has its fans. I know... It's a popular podcast, but it just didn't work on me years ago. Maybe it'll work on me now. But Taste Buds, I, I'm i going to say some controversial things. After binging 60 or so episodes of Taste Buds, and then you listen, I listen to newer episodes of We'll See You in Hell, We'll See You in Hell cannot help but feel low energy, which sucks. And, you know, it was a sad thing that I had to come to terms with, but the newer episodes of We'll See You in Hell, I don't, I just don't love. I just don't. And, you know, they they just passed their 300th episode. I am still a supporter of them on Patreon. I love Pat and Joe. I will support them till any, uh, any one of us dies. I will keep supporting them. But I, I still support Ghost Town Pod. At one point, I was a $10 a month donor, and that was too much. And I went down to $2 a month. But um, we'll see you in hell. I'm still supporting at like 13 or $14, I think. But uh, my favorite episodes are those early commentary episodes. There's like 10 or 12 commentary episodes. And they're hilarious. And according to Pat and Joe, they were like newly friends. And I think it was just lightning in a bottle of them basically having just met i don't know how long they were friends before they started the podcast but the way they described it on the 30 300th episode it sounded like they just met and then they started the podcast that doesn't sound right because i don't think you would commit to doing a new podcast with someone you just met especially when you're going in on a fangoria network like the, their first podcast there's a lot of stakes in the stake i don't know what the phrase is but i i'm i'm assuming they were friends for you know at least a few months maybe six months to a year because i don't think you would just like hey i just met you pat but let's start a podcast i don't know maybe it is though but it's lightning in a bottle those first 10 12 episodes to me are hilarious and then I still love the podcast after that. And then obviously when Joe moved to New York, they had to go through Zoom, especially with COVID. 
and they're keeping it alive. They're keeping it afloat, which I, I love and I appreciate. But I had to admit to myself, like, the, um, a lot of the magic has lost. I mean, you listen to Pat's voice in newer episodes. It's not the same. You listen to him in early episodes. He He's, like, lively. And it, it has to do with Zoom. I know that. It has to do with the long distance. And, again, I appreciate that they're keeping it afloat. But th- there's a reason why in the first, you know, hu- 100 200 episodes i've listened to it so many times i almost know the episodes verbatim that's not true because that's you know an hour per episode but i know that pizza hut dracula is from the um the blade one and two episode i know that in the grinch commentary episode Joe goes, so this movie is about, um, I, I don't know, people who like Christmas. I don't know. I, I, I know these weird references. I, I know that in an early commentary episode, Pat says, beloved character actor Robert Prosky. I, I can quote, like, which episode is from which. Like, um, I think um, not medium rare. is. It might be from, like, a Halloween episode. I, I'm not sure. But in the newer episodes on Zoom, I can't do that because there's like, there's a lot less laughs, unfortunately. There's a lot less jabs and um, folks jokes and it's just different now. You know, I I don't know. It's kind of sad for me and I I almost don't want to admit it out loud. One thing I will say about taste buds, if you listen to something so much, like you love something so much, eventually you'll start to find things you find annoying about it. I think that's inevitable. Like, for example, my wife, I love her. But after a while, you're like, God damn, bitch, get the fuck away from me. And you know what I'm talking about. So like the longer you consume something, the longer you love something, you'll you'll find things that you don't like i think that's inevitable so taste buds you know one thing that joe DeRosa has said he he complains about people always complain about not being invited to the cool kids table until they're invited to the cool kids table and joe's a classic example of you are your worst enemy i think we are all our worst enemies you know you, you hate things that you yourself do. You know what I mean? Like, I hate when people don't respond to me. But I personally don't respond to anyone or everyone because I hate everyone. That's just how I am. So one thing I noticed is that, like Joe talked about that, uh, the Chris Rock special, how it's like, this. it makes me feel left out. I, I didn't enjoy that that cool famous people like all the cameos it it was dumb to me he like that's what he said he didn't enjoy it so there was there was a recent episode i listened to where he was reading texts about from another comedian like that's another weird thing like reading texts and and i get it if you think something like i've done it before I think a text exchange between me and my wife is funny, so I'll screenshot it and post it on Instagram. I I get it, but something about reading texts on a podcast, it's weird. Reading texts from someone I don't care about. And then um, Pimp, the, the audio engineer, production guy, he asked the question, who's the best gift giver comedian and i i don't know i i felt like i didn't care about this conversation and i'm not saying they shouldn't have this conversation i'm just saying i didn't like it and i was just saying like it, it felt like joe finally found a group of people that he is at the cool kids table and i'm happy for him but at the same time it kind of bugged me like i don't care about this i don't care about them I don't care about all these comedian friends. Like, again, this is 
It's probably unfair for me to say, like, who am I? I'm nobody. Who cares? But I just thought I'd share, like, I mean, that's what people, that's what everyone does. We're just trying to be honest, right? No? Fuck off. Also, I have in my notes, Scott Pilgrim Anime. So I saw a post on Instagram. I don't know if it was real or if it was just an intro video. Let me look this up. Let me look this up. Scott Pilgrim Anime. Scott Pilgrim creator breaks silence on anime. So, oh my god. Okay, here's the Wikipedia. Scott Pilgrim is an upcoming action, adventure, romantic comedy anime developed by Brian Lee O'Malley and Ben David Grabinski for Netflix. (coughs) Here's my... I just coughed into the mic. Here's my thing. Scott Pilgrim is not... is not like this fucking classic thing do p let me look at the original um it was a box office bomb i saw it in theaters i think i went to see it in la and there was a line for people to see 300 i think that's my memory um let me look at reception for scott pilgrim so while I'm looking that up, my, my point is, I don't think Scott, like, I liked it the first time. Each subsequent viewing, it's kind of meh to me. Like, it's not this classic movie. It's, I I don't think it's a cult classic. Um, there's a 10th anniversary release. I don't know why people are treating it like, like we need a fucking anime on it. Um, critical Reception. Rotten Tomatoes, 82%, which is pretty high. Um, Metacritic, 69 out of 100, A-. minus. Mixed review. I mean, at best, it is a B+, maybe. Um, I don't know. It's not... I'd, I don't... I saw that post about a uh, Scott Pilgrim anime. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't think it needs to be revisited. I don't know how the comics were. Uh, maybe the comics are better than the movie, but the budget was 60-85 million. I don't know what that means. And the box office was 49.3 million. I like Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I like um, Ellen Wong a lot, too. I I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the anime will be good. Will I watch it? I'm not even sure. I'm not interested. Um, I think that's all I have in my notes. I'll exit out of the notes. Another thing I like about Taste Buds is they're, they're, they're curious men like I am and they Google stuff all the time or Pimp does. And they're always like, what's the history of this food? And they don't do it formally. It's not like a formal thing. They're just like, Pimp, look this up. Pimp, Google this, which I appreciate. I, I like the, the other day I learned, I never knew this. I learned that a pickle is a pickled cucumber. I don't like pickles. So there's no real reason why I would know this. But I never knew that a pickle is a cucumber that's pickled. Uh, It almost like blew my mind. Because I eat cucumbers. Not my favorite, but I do eat cucumbers. But I'm not a big fan of pickles. Although, I might be. I might be. Um, I'm going to do something that um, I've never done before. If if you're listening now and you want to send a message, 
you can email odddrummergaming at gmail.com, O-D-D-D-R-U-M-M-E-R-G-A-M-I-N-G at gmail.com. You can tell me how you found the show, why you're listening, what you like about it, what you hate about it. You can say anything you want. I might read it. I might not. But I might read it. I have been playing Power Wash Simulator. And I've been liking it. You know, if I were to describe the game, I would say it's... Well, the gist of the game is basically you are a... You're power washing really dirty things and or locales. The reason why I bought it is because there was a special free DLC for Midgar, a Final Fantasy VII remake, where you get to clean stuff from Final Fantasy VII remake, like the Airbuster... Well, I I don't want to spoil it. I'm going to spoil it. All right? I'm going to spoil it. There's like the Airbuster. There's Seventh Heaven. There's um, the Shinra building where you get to clean the, the, the blue truck and the motorcycle. And... I am blanking on the other things. But that's the reason why I bought it. And I've been playing it. And it's soothing. It's I find it very interesting that they actually made this into a game. And at the, on one hand, the game is boring, repetitive. On the other hand, it's supposed to be boring and repetitive. And... I can see people getting bored of it quickly or not being interested in it. But I play it. I like it. And if I get bored by it, I I put it down and then give it a few hours or a day. And then I'm back in it again. And I've been liking it a lot. It's like, I don't know. I don't want to throw away. I don't want to throw the term OCD or whatever. But for people who are like anal about cleaning stuff... I wish I was I wish I could do this in real life and I, I probably could but I'm kind of a slob in real life which is highly unfortunate. Also they've been they they recently dropped a a video of The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, a gameplay video. And I'm getting really excited for it like I'm getting older, and I love video games, but as I get older, I my excitement gets lesser and lesser. And But this, this game is the exception to the rule because I am really excited for it. I watched that video, and they were showing a fusion thing where you can fuse like rocks to a stick. And at first, like for a millisecond, I thought that's kind of silly. But then I'm like, no, this is going to be awesome. And just watching him climb onto the Sky Islands, I'm shaking with anticipate, anticipation. I, I wish that they know that people love this game. They know that people are going to want the special edition. So why... Why go out of stock? Like, like why? Just keep making it. You want money, don't you? That's all you want, right? Well, take my money. Dumbass. Um, anyway, let's move on to the movie beat. I watched La La Land. I, I, I started La La Land years ago with my wife and for whatever reason it it didn't hit us so we just stopped and never revisited it and there's an episode of ghost town podcast where they talk about angel flight which i've never been to 
and Jason talks about his love for the movie La La Land. Funny episode, good episode, check that out. And so I was looking at, I guess, Netflix or HBO Max. No, it was Netflix. And I decided I'm just going to start up La La Land. I, I liked it more than I loved it. There's a, I think the second half is way superior to the first half. There's something about the first half that just doesn't hit it. Um, you know, I like that opening song a lot. It it really gets stuck in your head. Um, but there was a whole sequence that I didn't remember from watching with my wife. So I believe my wife and I watched until the party where he run, she runs into him at the party and he's in the band. But there was this whole other section where she's like singing and dancing with her roommates that I had no recollection of. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like the first half of the movie could have used some tweaking. Um, l- l- look at this tidbit. Miles Teller and Emma Watson were originally slated to star, but after both dropped out, Gosling and Stone were cast. I'm not sure what they were trying to go for in the male lead. I I don't I didn't love Miles Teller in Whiplash. I loved the movie Whiplash. I thought um, J. Jonah Jameson was amazing in the Not Quite My Tempo role. And I love the movie, especially being a failed drummer. I, I really like that movie a lot. I thought Miles Teller was pretty much interchangeable with someone else. I, I don't I can't think of anyone who. The only time the first time and only time I've liked Miles Teller so far is in Top Gun Mav. I don't think Emma Watson would have been a good pick for La La Land, especially since I believe a lot of her tracks from Beauty and the Beast were auto-tuned, like audibly auto-tuned. I I love Emma Watson. I loved her as Hermione, and I ha- I've only seen her as Hermione and Belle, and I I don't think she was a great pick for Belle, just being honest. I loved Emma um Emma Stone in La La Land. I think she really shined. I'm not sure why I didn't love Ryan Gosling. Um, I've loved him in many movies. I loved him in Crazy Love, actually. Crazy Stupid Love. I really loved him in First Man, also directed by Damien Chazelle. In this movie, he felt a little stiff. I don't... I don't know why... Because I know Damien Chazelle is a great director, and I know Ryan Gosling is a great actor. I I, I don't know. He just, he wasn't a great fit for this part, in my opinion. His voice, his body just felt a little stiff. Maybe that was intentional, but I don't know. But if their first pick was Miles Teller, I, I don't know what that's about. I just don't know what that's about. I think Emma Stone hit it out of the park. I really loved her in this. Um, I was reading about Emma Stone the other dia. Let me see. Let me see if I can just quickly look. So she... um, She wanted to act since age four. She She wanted a career in sketch comedy initially but her shifted her focus to musical theater took vocal lessons for several years so that leads me to believe that she can sing and that she that's why she felt pretty natural in la la land her acting debut at age 11 she auditioned unsuccessfully for all that and then um, she took private acting lessons. Uh, 
and um, I'm glad for her success. You know, the first time I saw her was, oh, oh my god. Okay, the, the I just got a cramp in my left hamstring, and that's the explanation why I just went, oh my god, and then my leg flailed around tirelessly against my dirty floor filled with clutter, which has yet to be Maria Kondo'd. I'm going to leave it in the episode because it's just stupid and embarrassing. Anal way. The first time I saw her was in Superbad, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I, I, you really think that um, the other girl was gonna like set to like blow up. Um, Martha McIsaac. And um, she's, you know, she's working, but she's not as big of a star as Emma Stone. Anyway, what am I talking about? So, I don't know. I, 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 I might rewatch the movie with my wife because it, I did like the movie. And it's kind of charming. And it is a... What are they describing it? Romantic musical film. So I think she would like the romantic romantic aspect of it. Um, and I just think the second half is really strong. You know, when Emma Stone is, is going like, oh, man, what if I'm not good enough? Da, 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 almost had me in tears. Um, kind of weird that at the end... <laughs> Tom Everett Scott of That Thing You Do fame shows up. Uh, a little weird. Let me see. He's 52 to Emma Stone's 34. I guess it doesn't matter, but why guy from That Thing You Do? Did you Do you think he auditioned for that role? Do you think his appearance is supposed to bring back memories of that thing you do. Like he's an old musician character. He barely speaks in the movie. There is no hint as to what his background is. If he is a musician, that's kept vague, probably for a reason. He could be a finance guy for all we know. Why do you think they cast... Tom Everett Scott in that role. A little weird. Although I, I did like him a lot in That Thing You Do. I, I, that Thing You Do is a great movie. No shade on him. I'm just 52 to 34. I don't know. I'm just saying. Um, you know, that end sequence, it's it's kind of heartbreaking obvious, for obvious reasons where there's this fantasy sequence like what what it could have been like if they had stayed together da 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 da, da. a happy ending for them both although they do have their respective happy endings and you know I, i'll probably watch it again and i have a feeling i might like it more on a second viewing cuz that's that's just how i do but um and I know, like it's a, it's kind of a love letter to LA. Obviously, I'm not a huge fan of LA. I, I've lived adjacent to LA for most of my life, and it's always been a place that doesn't want me there, or that's that's how it feels. Like as soon as I get there for some convention or anime convention or a Final Fantasy concert, it just feels like the vibe is like, get the fuck out of here. I don't know why, and I can't help but think of that Death Cab for Cutie song. Why would you want to live here? Um. Anyway, La La Land. Good. That's my rating. Good. 
my wife and I watched... So we were scrolling through Netflix. Whenever I asked my wife, what do you want to watch tonight? She says, action comedy. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? And I was scrolling. I, I started Den of Thieves, but <laughs> there was text on the screen like... Every 48 hours, this bank is robbed. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to go down this two-hour, 20-road tonight. So I stopped it. I regret my decision. But I was scrolling. We went to the thumbnail for a movie I had never heard of called The Man from Toronto. (laughs) The preview was pretty funny. Kevin Hart. This movie, again, I've never heard of it. How is there a movie on Netflix starring Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson that I've never heard of? And it came out in June 24th, 2022. How is that possible? I I don't know. I guess it's more common than not, but I just thought it was a little weird. This was one of the worst efforts in a movie that I have experienced in recent times. Um, I don't blame Kevin Hart. I don't blame Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, I've liked a lot in many things. Let me look at his Wikipedia page. Um, I liked him in three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, Kingpin. How could I forget Kingpin? I loved him in Kingpin. Um, No Country for Old Men. I forgot he was in. Zombieland's fine. Now You See Me, I liked fine. Edge of Seventeen, I liked him a lot. I I almost forgot he was in Solo. I can't believe they're listing the man of from Toronto in his on his highlighted Wikipedia page. Why would you do that? So like, um, other notable, other notable films include white men can't jump natural born killers, Kingpin, the red thin red line, no country for old men, Zombieland, rampart, seven psychopaths. Now you see me, the edge of 17 LBJ solo, a star Wars story, the man from Toronto. The Triangle of Sadness, I have not seen. He was in True Detective. Um, I I liked him in Hunger Games. Uh, He has a nice presence. I've liked him in a million things. Kevin Hart, I haven't seen much of his work. You know, he did funny voice work in the Super Pets, um, Secret Lives of Pets. I, I thought it was funny in that scene in 40-Year-Old Virgin. I don't know why they agreed to do this movie. In 2022. Or maybe they filmed this in 2020, 2021. That doesn't make sense. Um, it was supposed to be theatrically released on November 2020, but it was moved because of covid And then they just brought it to Netflix. This movie is terrible. Alright? Terrible. Uh, I'm going to blame the screenwriters and I'm going to call them out. Robbie Fox and Chris Bremner. Um, I don't know you guys, but you guys are terrible. Terribly directed by Patrick Hughes. I can't clip, click on Robbie Fox or Chris Bremner. This is what I think. Kevin Smith wanted... Maybe they said, hey, do you want to work with Woody Harrelson? And Kevin Hart said yes. Or his agent said yes. Same thing with Harrelson. Hey, do you want to, move, do you want to start a movie with Kevin Hart? And either Woody Harrelson said yes or his agent said yes. This is all... This is my theorizing. Because there's 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 almost like I guess it's supposed to be a parody, but it's terrible. 
the writing is terrible. At one point towards the end of the movie, they're trying to show that Woody Harrelson's character has like a heart of gold. He's like, you have my word, no killing tonight. But earlier in the movie, he killed six men on an airplane. You know what I mean? It's that kind of movie. Kevin Hart, you get some laughs from Kevin Hart because he's Kevin Hart. And he tries his best with what's given him, given to him, which is not much. I don't know why Ellen Barkin signed up to this movie. Kaylee Cuoco in a non-role. Like, this movie is wackadoodle. It's it's bad. It's not good. It's really not funny. There There was one scene which made my wife and I laugh where... Woody Harrelson is choking Kevin Hart and he's like tell me tell me what you know and then Kevin Hart's like I can't tell you anything you're choking me and just like the voice he made made us laugh but that's all about all I can say it's a terrible terrible movie and I'm blaming again I'll call you out Robbie Fox Chris Bremner and Patrick Hughes how dare you these actors deserve better. I can't believe these guys read the script and agreed to do this movie. And the budget was $75 million. There's an air- airplane sequence, which I'm sure cost a lot of money in terms of CGI. There's fight scenes. They had to hire a fight choreographer for this movie. It seemed like a very expensive movie. And it makes you think like, you could have made so much more with so much less. And I can't believe this movie came out like 2022. This is a terrible movie. A terrible movie. I just passed this 47-minute mark. Um, I also watched The Art of Self-Defense, but uh, I guess I'll save that for next time. I, I will just... I don't know. I'll just briefly, I guess, talk about... She Kills Monsters. I watched this at the Long Beach Playhouse. Um, the reason I watched it is because I saw on Instagram, I followed Diva Marie Gregory. Um, she taught a class online that I attended, and I saw that she posted you know, a few, only a few more weeks to watch this play that I'm in. So I bought tickets and I took my wife after watching Into the Woods in Redlands. And my wife and I loved. I'm like, I'm really into watching live performances right now. Especially like small intimate ones. It's really cool. It's really interesting. And you can really, obviously, it's you can connect more to the performances emotionally than in a movie, for example. So... She Kills Monsters, written by Ki Nguyen, um, directed by Shin Shin Yuder Sai. Here is the synopsis on the Long Beach Playhouse website. After Agnes Evans loses her family in a car crash, she leaves her childhood home in Ohio, haunted by the death of her teenage sister, Tilly. But when Agnes finds Tilly's Dungeons and Dragons notebook and decides to start playing it with her sister's colorful teenage friends, she finds herself catapulted into a journey of discovery and action-packed adventure in the imaginary world that was her sister's refuge. In this high-octane dramatic comedy laden with homicidal fairies, nasty ogres, and 90s pop culture, acclaimed playwright King Win offers a heart-pounding homage to the geek the outsider, and the warrior within us all. So this, it says this production closed March 25th, 2023. I really like the show. So as, um, as I just read in the synopsis, basically Agnes lives with her family in Ohio and then her family dies in a car crash and she finds this book where t- her sister, her younger sister Tilly, who's like 16, r- made this Dungeon and 
drag dungeon and dungeons and dragons campaign game whatever so they play it out in in the play and so there's all these crazy and fun characters that come to life and the performances were really good and i mean i am biased but diva marie was amazing and i loved the dynamic between let me go through the cast. Diva Marie Gregory as Agnes, Fiona Burroughs as Tilly, Derek Del Mar as Chuck, Dane Jameson Price as Miles, Caitlin Zinn as Calliope slash Kelly, Roxanne Westerlin as Lilith slash Lily, Carol Louise as Vera slash Evil Gabby, Eline Luke as narrator, Vera the Fairy slash Evil Tina. Elijah Douglas as Steve, Grant Thackeray as Orcus slash Ronnie. And I love the dynamic between Diva Marie and Fiona. They were playing sisters and they were really sweet. And I cried at this play um, at more than one spot. And I... I'm going to talk about it freely, and I, I'm sorry that you are not able to experience this production, but if you can, check out She Kills Monsters. I mean, they I think they've um, showed it before, and they'll show it again, but I'm just going to talk freely. I apologize in advance for spoilers, but the moment that hit me, and there's a picture of it right here, so they, they know it's a good moment. It's so she's talking to like Diva or Agnes is talking to like a ghost of her sister, basically, because when she plays the game, the character of Tilly, I forget the character's name. It's like um, Tilias or something, you know, it's a game character. Tilly's character comes to life, even though she's dead. So they, they have conversations. So Agnes says, I don't know, Tilly. Am I crazy? And they're just kind of sitting next to each other. And then Tilly goes, it's better than being dead. And she lays her head on Agnes's shoulder. And I, I, I don't really know why, but that moment hit me really hard. Like, I started tearing up. Like, not just getting glassy-eyed, like tears falling down my cheeks. And... I, I tried to hide it from my wife, but it's no use. Um, and, you know, there was one moment where Agnes was getting um, angry and she was like, I I'm tired of talking to, I'm tired of chasing ghosts. That moment got me too. I just, I, I really, it was an, it was a funny play, a lot of funny moments, but a lot of emotional moments too and i my favorite part was the dynamic between the two sisters i really liked it a lot and um uh, sh shout outs to diva marie also shout outs to kirsten day who i saw in the audience and chris hackney i think that's his name he was in the audience but um i don't know him as much and I don't know. I, I, I really liked it. The The format of the Long Beach Playhouse is a little weird. And I, I think I read that they've been holding productions there since 1929. So they, they're all about tradition. And I get that. But there are seats. Like if this the stage is like this rectangle it's like a it's not even a stage it's like the floor and there are seats to the left to the right and in front of the stage i guess and you have these characters who are facing every which way you know so it's i thought it was a little weird because at any given point there are going to people there are going to be people in the audience who are craning their head to see what's going on or to hear what's going on or you have the performers with their complete back to you so it's an interesting format but it's also a little weird 
because it seems like it would be so much easier if you just had a stage in front of the audience and raised up so that everyone can see and hear. I don't know, but maybe that's been the way it's been since 1929. Who knows? Um, so I am not familiar with King Win, but... Um, uh, that's all that's all i can say elijah douglas as steve was a f um fan favorite he, his character was very funny he would die in the most funny and outrageous ways and he was a really good actor um i guess that's all i have go see she kills monsters if you can i, I don't know if it's playing anywhere I, i'm assuming right now no since it just closed at long beach but um oh it was off broadway in 2011 steppenwolf theater company 2013 company one 2013 they should they should just add the long beach cast right here 2023 right here um in She Kills Monsters, Agnes discovers Tilly was a lesbian and used her Dungeons and Dragons campaign as an outlet of her struggles of being out in school yet in the closet with her family. This play brings complex LGBTQ characters to the stage who fulfill goals outside of their sexuality and are well-rounded characters. The sexuality of characters is not the main focus of the play, which normalizes non-heterosexual characters. You know what I thought was weird? And I'm just going to say this is an observation and not a criticism. An observation, not a criticism. So it says, um, King Nguyen is an American playwright. Um, I'm assuming King Nguyen is Vietnamese. I am just assuming maybe he was born in Arkansas, so he's American, but I'm assuming with that last name, I'm assuming he's Vietnamese American. She Kills Monsters was directed by Shin Shin Yuder Sai, who, uh, again, sorry, I'm assuming is Asian. Now, I, 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 I'm. I'm bumming myself out by even saying this out loud. But why wouldn't you cast <laughs> Asians in this play? Now, you know, maybe maybe none of the characters were Asians. But I mean, you're you have an Asian director and an Asian writer. Why not make any of the Asian, the characters Asian? I, I, it's just again, it's just an observation, not a criticism. I am Asian. I am biased. I'm just saying. I should delete this whole podcast. I should delete my whole life. The last thing I'll say is, you know, Joe DeRosa once said, "I know it's not our job to rewrite movies." But there's a part, the way this play ends is there's this tight little bow wrapped on everything where they show Agnes playing with all the friends and all the friends come together and Agnes um, gets engaged to Miles and they kind of live happily ever after. And I, I personally did not like that ending just because... There was a moment towards the end where Agnes was play fighting with Tilly. They were just play sword fighting, right? And I was getting emotional watching it because the whole play is about these two sisters. And for me, I felt like if they were just play fighting with no words, just going, yeah, 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 and then the lights dimmed out. I would have literally bawled because the, the ending is vague. It's mysterious. It's weird. 
but that's all I needed because it's like all she wanted. She she want she wanted to get to know her sister, and at the end of this production, it's just Agnes and Tilly playing together, fighting together, happy together. That's all I needed. Dim the lights out. Dim the sound out. Whatever, I would have bawled. But they didn't end it there. There was a whole tight bow wrapped up around everything. And again, I, I'm not. I'm not meaning to rewrite the plan. I'm not a writer either. But I'm just saying for my taste and my preference and my thoughts, I just thought if they dimmed the lights, I would have been, I would have been, I would have put my head in my hands and been like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. (sighs) That's all I got. Um, Thank you for listening. I hope you are well. Please take care of yourself. Please take care of, can't speak. Please take care of each other. Again, if you have comments, um, hate mail, odddrummergaming at gmail.com. I hope you're well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. Thanks for listening, and say hi to your pets for me.